A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maven, concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights have probably gone. So had the stairs. Yours is number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 392. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are continuing our discussion about Jekyll and Hyde. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon in England. Hello. Jekyll and Hyde was a co-production from 1990 between, in America, the ABC network, and here, ITV's London Weekend Television division and it's a 96 minutes quite a glossy well-produced color version of the robert louis stevenson book and it stars michael kane in the dual title roles and it's uh yeah big production values great cast great costumes and locations and gives us some more interesting stuff to get our teeth into and talk about here on british invaders yes absolutely so this adaptation does give us plenty of evidence of the crimes of edward hyde slightly restrained for television but we have the police close in his tail following him and we do also have the introduction of a romance plot line which is a departure from the original story and from some other versions we've looked at and that gives michael kane and cheryl ladd in these two sort of co-starring roles plenty to do in terms of lovely walks in the park, their fantastic costumes, huge amounts of bustle on Cheryl Ladd's dresses, I should say, Brian. <laughs> Quite remarkable. Yeah, that was the 1990 take on things, but probably not that far from how things actually were in the 19th century when this is set. No, probably completely accurate for the time. And of course, it does look lovely when they're out for their walks in the park. But also, as you've said, as well as the romance angle, this very much gives us the sort of almost action-adventure angle. There are lots of action sequences. There's lots of running and chasing by the police. There's also, I'll mention it again, the very distressing implication of a, of a rape. Not explicitly shown, but clearly implied. And uh, th this production does contain that sort of... Implication of the crimes of Edward Hyde, shall we say, Brian? Yeah, and that is, I think, following in the the tone and what was set from the original novella. Indeed. Now, as we talked about last time, you've got the dual role of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And any version of the novella has to, it seems, deal with that transformation from one to the other. And also has to depict Hyde in some way and give us his brutish nature, his crimes, his general sort of malign nature. Now, we've talked about this several times, Brian. The central mystery of the novella, of course, is who is Edward Hyde. And in fact, his true identity is not uncovered until towards the end of the book. 
But that always presents a problem for adaptations on stage and TV and film, doesn't it? It does, because the idea that Jekyll and Hyde are the same person and that there's a transformation is so well known that it's embedded in our culture now. So the idea that that would be the surprise ending just doesn't work. And all the way back in the late 19th century, just a few years after the book was written, we had stage versions where they had one actor doing both roles with a type of transformation in there. And we can see the attraction of of doing that, of having sort of the, the good guy and the bad guy be the same the same person and the same uh, the same actor in a production and i think with the way they did things with michael kane here with the makeup it does give the impression that Hyde looks like a completely different person that you would seeing both you would not know that they were the same person there's a lot of makeup uh, that Michael Caine wears for Mr Hyde makeup and prosthetics and I think it does clearly give the impression that this is a different person so yes they did really lean into that for this production of course you know as we said last time you do get the dramatic actual transformation sequence on film but seeing Hyde early on you perhaps might be pushed to recognize the features of Michael Caine under there yeah and that's an important point because if you look at the book or the storyline as used in most adaptations people don't recognize Hyde as Jekyll they appear to be quite different people. And that is something that works quite well here, I think, where there are some adaptations where the two look so similar that you would expect people to recognize Dr. Jekyll when they see Mr. Hyde. Yeah. They do give him a certain amount of sort of superhuman strength and invulnerability in this, which is sort of a newer aspect that uh, doesn't come from the book. I think Hyde was sort of quite fully human in the book, and he is a bit more monstrous here, although perhaps at the edge of being, you know, believable that people might see him and think of him as a strange-looking person rather than something monstrous. Yes. I mean, as you say, Brian, I think it is, particularly once he gets to television and film, the idea that Hyde has some increased strength and uh, resilience uh, is becomes part of the feature. And then, of course, particularly when it goes to comic books, it you know, it, it almost becomes a superpower like the Incredible Hulk in Marvel Comics. But he does have some increased strength and resilience here and there's quite a bit of crashing through doors and uh, downstairs as the police chase him and so on. And of course, we have that transformation sequence. You've almost got to have it in a production of Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, We've seen it delivered on screen many times in many different ways over the years. You've probably seen clips on YouTube of early productions from Hollywood where it's often delivered with filters and changes in lighting and makeup and the actor's performance. I'm sure you've seen the sort of, I think it's called the Texas Shuffle, where the character falls behind a piece of scenery or furniture and then re-emerges in the hide makeup. And here it's delivered on screen, um, quite a bit of dramatic sort of cut-in camera angles and music and so on, but also the central 
makeup on Michael Caine, prosthetics, and I'm going to come back to them again, I think, later on, but those bladders, the inflatable bits of makeup and prosthetic that make his features swell and distort before our very eyes. Yes, absolutely. And it was something that had sort of quite a dramatic look to it. They did not let the makeup effects stand on their own and just sort of do a very simple, you know, single shot of it. They worked their camera angles and their music and the rest of it to add something to that. Indeed, yes. It's interesting how different productions have tackled this over the years and also how different productions have added and subtracted features from the original as we've said, the sort of superpowers idea, but also perhaps the romance is new here as well. Very much a sort of romantic lead by Michael Caine. Yes. So I think it's time to get to some of our own thoughts about this. So I think I started last time. So let's go to yourself, Brian. What did you like about this production of Jekyll and Hyde? I actually liked a lot about this, but I'll start with the performances. The performances across the board, I thought, were quite good. I enjoyed them. But in particular, Michael Caine's uh, central performance has to carry a lot in this. And I think he pulls it off well. I really liked him in the role and in both roles. And nominated for awards for it. There is no denying the on-screen charisma and charm of Michael Caine in just about anything he does. And here he is as a very debonair, charming, romantic version of Henry Jekyll not the sort of furtive, stuck-away-in-his-laboratory version that we've seen in other versions. So, yes, Michael Caine, I think, is terrific. Mostly as Edward Hyde, he gets to snarl and crash around the place, it seems. But, you know, his Henry Jekyll is great, and his performance in the transformation sequence is also remarkable as well. Yes, and you want to have a really big contrast between Jekyll and Hyde, and they they do that here. And part of that, as you say, as is usually the case, Edward Hyde does not have a lot of dialogue, but you want a very different Jekyll, and Kane's charisma helps uh, helps bring that. But the body language she brings to Hyde is completely different from what you see as Jekyll and that adds something to it too. Cheryl Ladd, you know, famous for being a Charlie's Angel. Actually, I think she does a pretty good English accent here and does does well keeping up with Michael Caine and their romance is quite believable even though there's uh, the usual sort of Hollywood age gap between the actors. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I like the character uh, because it gave us an intelligent woman who could have good conversations with them and helped bring out the issues, the horror of it, that he wanted to have this life with her, but was stuck with the horrors of Hyde. And of course, she learns about it and has her own situation and her own point of view about it as well. So while I'm not very big on having romantic plot lines added to things, I thought this one actually worked fairly well. And you're right, they do play up that aspect that clearly Henry Jekyll wants this this relationship, this romantic life, but he's sort of almost denied it by his own actions. 
and the destructive nature of his addiction and his transformations. So that's quite interesting. It makes him a tragic character more so than we're used to. And they could have done it in a way where her character would just be there and wouldn't have much to do. But they didn't do that. They gave her more to do and made her much more of an ally and someone who has her own perspective and her own reasons for for doing things and for wanting to try to help Jekyll and so on. What about the rest of the cast? I mean, you know, Joss Ackland, Ronald Pickup, Kevin McNally is the detective sergeant. I always enjoy when Lionel Jeffries turns up anywhere, so that was great. Any other particular standouts for you in the cast? I particularly like Ronald Pickup in this. Utterson does not usually have all that much to do, and he doesn't hear, but he definitely is uh, a part of it. Maybe he has a little less to do because of Cheryl Ladd's Sarah, but he does a lot with it. So, uh, yeah, Ronald Pickup is an, ar- an actor I always love seeing in things, and I enjoyed him in this very much. The Obviously, if you've got a co-production with an American network, it gives you a certain amount of budget. So the look and the feel, the sound of the production, what did you make of all that? Costumes, sets, and so on. I thought it was lovely. They gave us a very vivid and almost opulent look at Victorian London. And that was really nice to look at. And that was a lovely backdrop for this story. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying it looks great. It sounds great. The scenes, the the, the locations, the studios, sets, uh, costumes, hair and makeup are all great. So it really looks the part. It really looks like, you know, they've got the money and they've done a very sort of uh, glossy production. And there's a certain amount of money that they've pumped into that transformation sequence as well. Yeah, so the transformation sequence, while it certainly looks dated now, I thought it was quite effective and I quite enjoyed that and thought that added something to this production and worked pretty well. Yeah, I think it's the dating of the bladder effects that bothers me. In that period in the 80s, after American Werewolf in London, I think, when everybody was using these little pneumatic bladders underneath latex prosthetics to make facial features distort and change before our very eyes i mean you know i'm a huge fan of practical effects and doing things on set rather than doing it in post in cgi but i have to say that bladders and bladder work is very much of its time for me so i did notice that i was just thinking oh yes there's some guys offset pumping up <laughs> pumping air into various bits and pieces strapped to michael kane's head yeah that's that's true and it's you know a question of if that works for you and i i thought it in this particular application of it i thought it worked pretty well okay we should mention again that it is a sort of there is although it's a tv production there is a certain amount of violence and brutality and the implication of rape which may be disturbing it's you know the crimes of edward hyde have to be tackled at some point Uh, he is a nasty brutish character who behaves in that fashion yeah and for a story that is sort of musing on the dark side the darkness in every one of us sort of thing you have to show what that looks like and possibly unfortunately the way that that was done 
by Robert Louis Stevenson included a certain amount of sexual violence. And many adaptations do do include that, and there is uh, certainly reference to it here. Now, when you make a version of a beloved classic piece of fiction for television or film, there's always, I think, the tendency and temptation to add things and change things slightly for your production, your own particular take on it. This adds the romance angle, which we've talked about. It also adds, without spoiling it, an unusual ending. What did you make of the changes that they've made for this production, Brian? I thought they were not too bad. My preference in some sense would be to stick closely to the to the novel for a classic like this. But I think the changes that they made didn't interfere with the story and the main ideas of things. I think they sort of nicely reinforced things. So I didn't mind those too much. And I liked the fact that they did not do sort of a big twist on the story that, you know, this would be Jekyll and Hyde, but we're doing this big change to it. They weren't doing that here. They were basically doing Jekyll and Hyde as written with a few adjustments to make it work for the type of TV production they were doing. So I thought that worked out pretty well. Okay. What did you think of the changes there? Well, I didn't mind the romance angle at all. As you say, it makes Henry Jekyll a more tragic uh, figure and adds an interesting element there. I have to say I saw the ending come in quite some way off, which is unusual for me. And I, you know, I was slightly less impressed for, by that. Otherwise, it sticks pretty close to the book. So, yeah, the changes they made, not too much of a problem. Um, it was more the general sort of vibe of the whole production that I uh, had a few issues with. Okay, so we should talk about negative aspects. What were the things that you didn't like? I'm, I'm a bit stuck about the transformation sequence and the amount of makeup that's clearly visible on uh, Michael Caine as he is as Edward Hyde. It was mainly that, and also a certain amount of almost too glossy nature to it. Um, those beautiful sequences in the park with Henry and Sarah walking. Uh, it all looks very splendid, but slightly too... I, I almost wanted a slightly more dowdy, uh, gritty version, I think. That was my main problem, Brian. Okay, that's fair enough. I do sympathise with that. It does feel like quite a glossy production and it's a it's a cleaner Victorian London than we would have in something being done now I think and probably a cleaner one than if it had been done in the 70s on uh, you know a BBC TV production so it has a look that is a little bit different and for me, the biggest issues with this are that it's a bit dated. It's dated because of that overall look to it, and it's dated because of the transformation and a few things with the appearances of the characters and that sort of thing. So for me, those are sort of the, the issues with that. But honestly, I think they're not too bad. Okay. Were there any other pluses or minuses you wanted to mention before we move to our recommendations? I think we should move to recommendations. Okay. Shall I lead off this time? Why don't you? Well, it's difficult to get hold of in Region 2. 
If it shows up on UK BritBox at some point, I would probably give it a gentle, modest recommendation. But otherwise, I have to say, Brian, I suspect we're going to reverse our positions from our last recording. I was a bit bored by this production. I was a bit bored by it the whole way through. And so the fact that it's no longer easily available here, I'm going to say I'm not going to recommend this one at the moment. But if it does pop up on UK BritBox, somebody let me know and I'll advise the Facebook group. What about yourself, Brian? You've got more positive memories of this one. I do, yes. And I did actually see this on the original US broadcast in, uh, in 1990. I quite enjoyed this. It is not a perfect adaptation of Jekyll and Hyde, but for a classic novel, I like to have one adaptation that does something that is pretty close to the original and does not have a big deliberate twist on it. And for me, this fits that. This does that for for Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The previous Jekyll and Hyde television productions that we've covered really don't do that. They don't do the version that I'm that I'm looking for in some sense. So, yes, I enjoyed this a lot and it is quite easily available in Canada and the US, it turns out. And yes, I will give this a recommendation. Okay, but as ever, have you seen this production yourself? Do get in touch on the Facebook group or by britishinvaders at gmail.com and let us know what you thought about it. Absolutely. So, in summary, Jekyll and Hyde introduce us to Dr. Jekyll, who was this academic character who also had a romantic interest in his late wife's sister and is shown as quite a charming and charismatic character who is interested in uh, potential drugs that could alter personalities to eliminate mental illnesses and potentially even eliminate evil from the world. And of course, he experiments on himself and does the opposite, with Mr. Hyde emerging, with him transforming into this apparently evil character who commits all sorts of crimes and is pursued by the police and moves towards this intense conclusion for both Jekyll and Hyde. Great stuff. Very interesting one to talk about. Absolutely. And please come and join us next time when we've got more interest to talk about. We are going to look at a sort of timey-wimey time slip children's TV serial from 1976 called The Georgian House. And we are going to look at the surviving episodes and talk a little bit about some of the difficulties of what's left and what's still there, Brian. Yes, that should be an interesting one. Until then, you can find us at BritishInvaders.com or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our group there and join in on the discussion. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at BritInvadersPod. Yes, please come and tweet at us with your views about the various screen versions of Jekyll and Hyde on British TV. And come and visit the Voice of Geeks Network, vognetwork.com, 
That's the place to go to find British Invaders and several other geek-related shows and streaming channels. Absolutely. So thank you for listening. And this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much for being with us. Until next time, it's Eamon in England saying, it's time for my medicine. <laughs>